This episode is brought to you by SP Inc., JPS Computers, and my new sponsor, uh, Red Rock Harley Davidson. So, and, and thank you, Red Rock, because you gave me a home when uh, the entertainment world was crushed. So, thank you. And for those of you listening, the Rock Rage Radio listeners, uh, it's Monday night at 6 o'clock uh, West Coast, 9 o'clock East Coast. Rock Rage Radio, we are everywhere. Um, my name is Brian Hopkins. This is the Hero's Journey podcast. And what's crazy is how the universe just throws people into your life. Um, my next guest, actually, we met a long time ago, when about, about 2006, 2007. I was in a band called Paperback Hero. I, would, I got discovered by Ralph. Uh, you guys know him as Michael Starr, the lead singer of the band Steel Panther. And he discovered me, gave me an opportunity, and I became the band that played with them the first Monday of every month. And there was a guy that I would see every night. At the, it was a Roxy and then the Key Club. And at the Key Club, this dude was so cool to me all the time. He always took care of us, made sure that we were, we were always felt, felt safe. But I had no clue that he was full of all this talent because he never said anything. It was always hugs, handshakes, and just looking out and just giving me props and always cool to me. And then come to find out, like during, like maybe four or five years ago, all of a sudden I'm like, who's this band? I know that guy. Oh my God, that's Tommy. And there's a story behind that. So my next guest today is a former lead singer of the band, Bad Wolves. That's how you might know him. I know him as Tommy, and you know him as Tommy Vexed. Buddy, What's dude, good? what is, thank you so much for being here. It's quite an intro. <laughs> yeah, it's not, it's, it's, it's very, uh, it's awesome to, you know, still be, you know, the, the old days. Right? Yes. Right? So, you know, like when I, when we met, I had just moved from New York and I just, I moved to LA and I needed a job, right? I was, I was sleeping and uh, I was in a metal band with, called Divine Heresy with Dino Cazares and from formerly of Fear Factory and Tim Young from Morbid Angel. Okay. And I was sleeping in a closet and I had no car and I was taking the bus. You're a big dude to be sleeping dude. in a closet. <laughs> it, was a big, it, was a big, it was a sliding door okay, closet. Okay. And, uh, and I was like living in this like punk rock house with like 15 other people. And um, I worked as a as a bouncer. Yeah, right. You, you stood right a stage every yeah. night. Yeah, yeah. And, and so nobody knew that I was a, I, I was a sleeper cell. Dude, I yeah. had no clue. You never said. And I was just telling these guys that Austin, who told me a lot about your your uh, your old band, the band you're talking about, yeah, yeah, yeah. Divine Heresy, and he was playing that be, oh, before nice. you walked in the building. And he's like, "If you're a fan, then you know where he came from." And so that was wild because you never mentioned it you were just always you yeah, know just, it was like I just, just doing my the, thing i stay in the, i stay in the cut you know i do my thing i have to pay attention too because there's been times where like you know metal school or steel panther steel or what, panther the, the yeah different names that it had, yeah people would jump on the stage so you know me and chris were on the each on yeah. the opposite sides and Brandon and yep. and uh, yeah and Bubba yeah so they call me oh my Baby gosh yeah he look yeah he look you look, yeah. he look, he look like brothers yeah we're yeah. both black and white and he's like probably like a foot taller than me so we're like oh it's like little Bubba he was there before yeah. me and so we would have to make sure that like nobody like jumped on the band and yep. when they call girls on the stage that guys didn't jump up there and start trouble and 
So we were just unless it was Steve O jumping up and getting yeah, naked, yeah, yeah. <laughs> which nobody wanted, but nobody, nobody cared. Just, yeah, he still <laughs> did it anyway. It was part of the show, yeah. So yeah, yeah, it was great times, man. It was uh, you know, and that was pre sobriety. I wound up getting sober a couple years later. Congratulations yeah, on that, man. Been, I've been I've been clean for about thirteen years. I, I actually, oh, it's it's nah, bro. It was That's... a it was a burning building. It yeah. was like we had fun. And then it was fun with problems, and then it was problems, <laughs> you know. And so when I I wound up singing for Snot for a little bit, and we actually sold the Key Club out. I really? Came, I came back to the venue uh, in 2009 or 2008, and we did the Snot reunion there, and it was sold out. And like guys from Incubus and Corn and um, you know Static X and uh, and System of a Down were like in the audience, like Dude. in the VIP, and I was just like. I'm like, I don't even know how I got. I used to work here. And I, yes. I said that speech, and I was like, I used to work here. And Rick was the was the head bouncer. He was he ran security, and I was like, that's Rick. I'm like, he gave me my first job when I moved here, and I didn't have anything. And I was like, this one's going out to you, Rick. And he was just like, like a proud uncle. That's, you know, he that like, is amazing. He's like one of our boys made it. Yeah. You know? No. Yeah. That that venue, those nights, Monday nights. I try and explain to my girl who's in the next room, Nicole. Like Steel Panther nights were insane. Every Monday night was a new experience. It was full of celebrities. It LA was, was LA's dead now. It is. Right. I live yeah. I lived there for seventeen years altogether, on and off. And um the strip, you know, they changed the key club to a nightclub like one oak and uh, it's just like a douchey bottle service nightclub. Right. And um, you know, the strip just slowly started to yeah, they started selling off stuff. Like the yeah. Viper Room is like going away, or if yeah, it's, yeah. if it's not gone already. Yeah, and we, uh, you know, I and from I'm from New York, and I grew up in the Bowery on CBGBs playing shows with fake IDs because I wasn't like I've been in a band since I was 13. Holy shit! And um, I had no idea. I had a mustache and a fake ID. So <laughs> I don't know what I'm in. Like and I was supposed to like five ten, five eleven. He's fine. You know? But but we watched all. We first in New York, we watched all the venues close. And you know, CBGB's turned into a John Barbados, right? And uh, and then I moved to LA in in '05, or late '05, early '06, to do this band with Tim and Dino, and um, and it and like it was still alive, it was bumping every Monday night, it was lit. Yeah. And then the other nights of the week, there were always shows. There were tons of punk rock shows. I actually I got to work the first Allison Chains concert reunion with the new singer. Yeah. Yeah, I was bouncing at the Roxy. Oh. Um, and so I was interchanging because I didn't have. Yeah. No, I, I would see. Work, I worked like six, seven nights a week. Like, Bro, I would see yeah. you on the sidewalk. You know, I I was out there mm -hmm. hustling, trying to get my band, you know, known. And those days it was like MySpace started to come around. But yeah, yeah. I'd be out there passing out flyers, give you a hug, yeah, yeah. walking down the street, going to the next well, club, passing out like, stuff. You guys were consistent, right? And it was like, like there was never. We had a whole group. There was just a whole community. There was of musicians and people who were cool to each other. And you go to each other's shows. Yep. You know, we go Support. to spasmatics. Spasmatics. Right. Uh, that was spasmatics was tuesday nights or wednesday nights or sunday it was a different night yeah and they did like 80s but so it was just it would move around and it was people from the music industry the porn industry the acting industry and just people who just liked music yep. live music and there was a there was a there was always something going on yeah and the the colleges would show up to college yeah, yeah. kids and people kind of like that energy that that vegas has you know yeah, the, the, yeah. The, but now it's here yeah and which is wild because i ran into you at mr olympia 
yeah, yes. um, uh, just, I don't know when that was, a few weeks ago or whatever. It was like mid-December. Yeah. Was it then? Oh, uh, yeah, well, nah. or end of December. It was here. Yeah. I, what like month is it? You're right. Yeah, yeah it's January. Uh, January. Yeah. It's like three weeks I'm thrown ago. off, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, dude, I'm so, I'm so like all over the place too, but because I was traveling in Europe before that, and so I wound up driving cross-country. I, I, I went to, so in October, I, so I lived in Nashville for like nine months last year. Didn't like it. Wow. I just did not. This people are nice. Yeah. It's cool. There's not really a fitness industry going on there. Right. And then I don't drink. So like everybody drinks. I don't drink either. I don't know if you oh, know that okay. about me. Oh, I've never had a drink in yeah. my life. Oh, I don't know what alcohol tastes like. You're better off. I don't. Yeah. I've never done a drug. I've never done anything. Yeah. No, bro. Like I, I laugh because growing up, my dad like sold weed and, and yeah, yeah. He grew it. And um and i just i'm native american indian and right so on. it's like fire water yeah, and, yeah. to my family and i saw that at a young age and just decided at the age of eight i remember my dad was in a band and i'm reading the, the his lyrics and my dad's singing and i'm like nope you're saying the wrong word you know yeah and yeah. then he goes go get me a beer out of the fridge and i go yeah. to the and he comes back and hand it to him and he said oh, i shouldn't have done that you know one day you're gonna want to drink and i want you to come to me and i'm like I decided right then. Now, I don't. I, I don't want to do that. I love that. Yeah, it's That's a true great. story, yeah. man. I, and I've never done it. My friend Dan, uh, who's he's a, an amazing lead singer, but he uh, turned producer. He he's, lives out in New York and Long Island. Same thing. His uh, his dad had, was a drinker, and Dan was like, when we were all, you know, I've known Dan since I was like 15, and he was a singer of a band called Dividing Line, and he was like, I will never drink. And, yep. and like that's cool. You know, 25 years later, he's still never had a, never That's, drank. His kids have never had to deal with him. You know, no yeah. one's ever seen him drunk. He's never pissed himself. Another, you know. Yeah. So it's a hard. That's a hard line to walk because it takes a certain personality type to like say that without having consequences to see before. Yeah. Because I was someone who I had to like hit rock bottom. Right. And be like, I can't do this anymore. You know. But that's okay. You recognized it, like you said. You walked in and went, oh, "I paid. I I burned that bridge. Yeah. Burned that building down." Kind of thing. I ran out of drink tickets. That's yeah. why people, people ask me, you know, like, like, yo, you want a drink? I'm like, I ran out of drink tickets. So like, okay. I was like, what does that mean? I was like, don't, it doesn't matter. Don't yeah. Matter. Well, good so, for you, man. Yeah, yeah. So that's then, why so I that say happened, yeah. that's a big deal. That's yeah. And yeah. Then, it's been a wild road. It's been but you said you went to Nashville. So yeah, so I went to Nashville to escape L.A. because I was living in L.A. during the you know during the riots and COVID in 2020 and. That you know my my, the my outspokenness <laughs> about about all of that uh, you know caused the cancellation of Tommy Beck's right like right. most most people who know my story they know that you know I I came out um, in 2017 I sang for Five Finger Death Punch I did their European tour Ivan was not well he had to, he had to get treatment and the band asked me to sing for them. And so I did there, you know, so that's kind of what happened when I got the, that was like the big breaking moment. Was, yeah. Was like, you know, we were in, in Austria and in Vienna and they're like, all right. And you know who was there? Steel Panther. Yep. They told me this yeah. story. And so I was tripping and, and Michael Starr, who also doesn't drink, was like, hey man, he, he was like, let's, let's talk. So I was like, okay. And right. I'm freaking out. I don't know if I can do this. He's like, you got this. He's like, you've been doing, you wanted this moment since you were standing on the side of the stage. <laughs> it, and it but, all comes back to the key club. Yeah. You know? And and then, um, yeah, we went out and I wrecked the show. Just, I crushed it. 
That's what he yeah, said. No, yeah. The boys pulled me. Yeah. I'm backstage at one of their shows. And they go, come here, come here. You got to hear this story. And I'm like, okay. And they're telling me a story. They, you know Tommy. I'm like, Tommy, there's lots of Tommies. You have a buddy here named Tommy. They're like, no, Tommy, security guard, key club. I'm like, Tommy, yeah. And then they start the story. Yeah. And then all of a sudden I walk out. The show's over. You were at the show. Yeah. And you were at the show here in Vegas. And I and I'm walked up to you and I went, bro. Was that true? And you're like, you're like, I, how how'd you do it? You were like, no. Yeah. <laughs> you did this. No. Oh, and no. yeah, no, it's, it's, it's not true. Yeah. And it was one of those moments. I just felt so much pride for you because the way, yeah, uh, the, what they were saying about you and what you did, I couldn't do it, man. I know that. Well, it was a weird, it, this is the thing too. It was a weird moment because. You know, I'm I'm in, I'm sober, right? I'm in recovery. I went through the steps, and my primary purpose is to help another alcoholic stay sober. So part of me was torn because where I'm supposed to be feeling like, oh my god, like this is my big break. You know, I also had spent the last five years being a drug and alcohol counselor, and I was more concerned that Homeboy was going to make it because right. I saw him at his worst, and it was scary. It was, it was actually really scary. And I'm, I've known Ivan, we used to drink together. Okay. We would drink at, we would, you know, we were both unknown metal singers getting wasted at the rainbow. We've gotten into fist fights and fought other people. Like there no was a, we, way. Yeah, yeah. Some guys tried to fight, some drunk douchebags tried to beat up the valet guys at the rainbow. And me, him, and Mark Rizzo came out and fought everybody. Oh my God. <laughs> and we won. Yeah. Oh, dude, yeah, come yeah. on now. But yeah, so like we, that's how far back we go so I, I just you know i wanted the guy to be okay so it was a very conflicted thing and then you know ultimately it, he he needed to take some time he came back obviously came back better than ever uh our relationship has since been strained we have very opposing political beliefs and we've gotten into shit over that um, among other you know many dramas on tour but um you know but the the, the miracle is that that yo dude's alive you're right you know what i mean right. that's all that matters we we just saw them uh the other night we yeah, went yeah, and yeah. saw them they here. played the same night as olympia oh yes yeah, yeah, yeah. yes yeah. exactly yeah, so that's where i was okay yeah i didn't even know and then i saw like a billboard and zoltan's big head was there i was like oh i'm like oh shit okay yeah yeah so they did that um but yeah so uh what i was getting through to is i the i got signed because i did that right so their record label signed me up and they were like this guy is crushing it like he just went out you know some of the shows we did with 300,000 seats I saw Europe, I saw that dude and Bro. I just took everyone and I was like you know yeah and yeah. I I I see that about you I follow your social media dude and the way you control the crowd you control the crowd like it's just doc sitting there and chase like like well, they're the only ones there. Yeah, but it's just about having an honest. It's about honest connection, right? People mm -hmm. can tell when you're full of shit. Yep. So I'm like, we're here to party. Like we're here to fucking throw down, and you're gonna remember this when you leave. Like <laughs> it's my job to make sure that you have the best time, and we're gonna do this thing, and that's what rock and roll is about. Right. Right. We're not curing cancer. We're giving people an hour to not think about their shit lives or their shitty boss or their shitty school or their shitty bills or their shitty government. That's what our job is to do. Right. You know? And so a lot of people, I, I think that I'm very grateful that my perspective being in recovery, 
right? Because before I got sober, like I made the show about me, right? Ah, yeah, like it was about me getting the valid, like it was me getting the validation of being, you know, abandoned or abused when I was a kid or blah blah. And look at me now, and <clears throat> through the process of recovery. And facing all my trauma and my, you know, you know, self harm and self pity and self, you know, me, me, poor me, poor me, poor me, and drink. Right. And you get on the other side of your self victimization, and you find true power. And the the true power that all of us have is the inexplicable power to help another human being. So if you could just give someone a break from their pain for yeah. for forty five minutes, fuck man, that's a, like sign me up. That's and they're amazing. Give us money for this. Yeah, we get to yeah. oh, we wow, get to make okay. a living doing yeah. this. This is it's incredible. Yeah, that's the dream. Yes, it is. You know, so um, yeah, so it's so yeah, bro. So you you get signed from the same label. What's the very first song that comes out? Oh well, so interest. So this is so zombie gets dropped, right? Right. It wasn't supposed to. Okay. It was not supposed to be the first single. The first single off the record was was Remember When, and um. And I wrote that song with um, Drew Folk, who who also co-wrote. He co he's written with a bunch of different bands, um, but uh, the the songs that I wrote with in Bad Wolves, uh -huh. the guys didn't. The band was a backup band. Okay. So it was very much like Marilyn Manson or Nine Inch Nails, <clears throat> and so the drummer had a studio guitar player that we worked with. He would write the heavy songs. I would write the rock songs, and then we were mushed them together and made records. Okay. That was the vibe. And so I remember when was this song about how my brother tried to murder me in 2010. Yes. And so they were like, this is the song. Like, it's super emotional. We're going to do the life story. We're going to do this is who you are. It was supposed to be like 50 cents, many men, like the song about how you almost got killed. And then every, and, and I, I recorded the song in Stockholm, Sweden. I was still on tour with Death Punch and <clears throat> Ivan was bringing me out to sing one song a night to, you know, to, yeah, to reintroduce you to, to the, the European audience. Right. And when we came out there, he was, you know, he was basically doing me a solid because I did him a solid and which is huge. That's yeah, yeah, of course. And so, and so we're playing Wembley with their five fingers doing Wembley arena. I come oh. out and sing. Um, I can't even remember what song, probably burn motherfucker. <laughs> oh and, I meet, and I meet Dan Waite, who's the head of the label in, in England. And, you know, he's like, Hey, I heard that demo song that you did of, of the Cranberry Zombie, and I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. And he was like, I think we should really put it on the record. I was like, well, I recorded this for another band, and none of the guys in the band want to cover a song on the record. And he's like, well, what if I got Dolores to you know, sign off on it? And I was like, yeah, if you did that, then no one could argue with me. Right. So we send the song to Dolores. It's December, you know, right before Christmas. I come, I go to New York to see my mom for Christmas, and then I was living in Vegas, and I fly to Vegas. I get a phone call. Dan is with, you know, is with Dolores. They leave me a message and on WhatsApp, and they're like, "Oh yeah, I love this song. Like, I want to sing on it. Like, I can't. It's a killer track." And you know, right? I'm like, "What?" So I, you know, next morning I text the whole band. I'm like, "Bro, Dolores is gonna sing on a song." They don't believe me. I'm like, How? "Okay, fine. All right, right, whatever. right." So we flew her to London. The label flies her to London on January 5th or 6th. On the seventh, she's supposed to record with us. She's supposed to record the vocals. Okay. In London, she never woke up. So she had pa she passed away. She actually fell asleep in the in the bathtub, and drowned. Oh. Tra absolutely tragic, horrifying. And so, oh wow. The next day, Zoltan texts me. He's like, "Yo, turn on the news." I'm like, 
the last time he said turn on the news, Chester Bennington died. I'm sorry. You know, and yeah. so I'm like, oh shit, something bad happened. Right. And I was like, I don't know, uh, it could be anybody, you know, because there's so right. many musicians. Yeah. And he's also sober and like, <clears throat> not that he's like you, he just doesn't do anything. Okay. And so I'm like, oh, what the fuck? And then Dolores, there it is. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. So then everyone's getting on calls and like the legal team, the whole label and the owner and everyone's like, we have to put this song out right away. And I'm like, guys, like this lady just died. I don't think we should do this. Right. And like, well, if you don't do it, someone else will. And I was like, you know, and I was, and I basically was like, well, I knew she had kids. And I was like, I don't want to make any money off this. I, like, cause I can't karmically, like I, it right. just doesn't feel clean. And I was like, I'll do it. If you guys set up a trust fund, if all if her children get all the money, oh dude, so that's what we wound up doing, bro. And we yeah, but we didn't know, I we had no idea what was gonna happen next. And then what happened next? Everybody knows the story. Zombie came out. It's the biggest. Yeah, it was the highest selling rock single in 13, 14 years. It was number one on Apple in twenty seven countries. It was. I mean, dude, the the, the song is now platinum, right? Everywhere, you know? everywhere. Yeah. I I looked up uh, on YouTube. It was four hundred. It's going up by the millions yeah, uh, every other day. It's like half a billion. Yeah, it's yeah. it's yeah, it's exactly. Yeah, yeah. And I saw that, and I was blown away. But yeah. when when I saw you at uh, the Steel Panther show here in Vegas, I look and I think it had like eight million views at that time. Well, I think it. I don't even know if that was out by then. I, yeah, because I think I saw you before that tour. So, okay, well, yeah. I mean, well, you know what I'm saying. It's like I was like by the the first time I go to look. Yeah, yeah. It, it had eight million views. That was like the third day. Because yeah, I remember you yeah. giving me a nod, like you were having to go to rehearsals. Yeah. And yeah. you were here in town, and I was asking you if you. I was playing the the House of Blues that following week, I and I invited yeah, you to the show, and you're like, ah, oh, dude, I have rehearsals, and I'm like, four, and you're like. No. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't say it. Well, no, there were so you, many things happening. I, exactly. I couldn't say anything. But, yeah, it was a no, uh, you know? So, yeah. So, we, yeah. So, then, anyway, the, the thing blew up. It got, like, 10 million views in a couple days. Then it was, like, 20. We're like, what the fuck's going on? Then right. It was 30 and 40. And we're like, holy shit. And then the label called, and they were like, you need to leave. You need to go to the airport in in the morning, and you're going to Germany. And I'm like whoa why why and like what do you mean why like you're going on a press tour i'm like oh fuck and i know what the, i know what those are because like so i was a sober coach with justin bieber for a little bit really yeah so i've had a lot of famous clients and i'm like fuck these things suck because what press tours are is I, me and doc the guitar player right okay we're like you two are going to fucking germany and you're gonna sleep for three hours you're gonna wake up and you're because you're gonna land at like three right. or four in the morning and you're gonna get up at six to be at a radio station at seven then you gotta sing and like i'm like oh my, you know yeah voice no first. voice dude voice and, and always so, first they're like we don't care bro yeah so this, this opportunity like this only happens once once yeah every 20 years maybe right you got you're on fire now go so we went and we tried to sleep on the plane, I hope. Yeah, tried. which is hard because I'm yeah. they wouldn't pay for good tickets. <laughs> and, I'm, and like, dude, I'm, dude. I'm 270. Yes. 
and I'm six one, and Doc's two forty and six two. Wow. And we're like, please don't sit us next to each other. <laughs> you know what I mean? Two big ass niggas like all four, like, you know, smashed together. And little Chase, my producer Chase, he's the guy stuck in the middle between you. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right yeah. So so then we we're all over. We go to we go to Germany, then we go to England. I mean, we're all over the place. We're like flying to different cities in Germany. We're flying all over England. Like, uh, we we did. Ton, like London is crazy. It's like New York over there. Right. It's just like just jam, 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 jam. Like, like you want coffee? I'm like, I don't drink coffee. Like, he's a sport of tea. I'm like, okay, cool. Like, What's in your hair? What's in your hair? Okay, you know, we had to, I had to sing this song like 15 times a day. Wow. And so we did all that. Then they're like, okay, we're going to Ireland. I'm like, what do you mean? Like, they just tell, like, you don't yeah. know what's going on because right. it's all happening so fast. And so they flew the whole band to meet us in Dublin. And they're like, all right. I'm like, what's going on? They're like, oh, we're playing on the their the Late Late Show, which is their SNL. Okay. With Ryan Turberty, right? So Dude. I'm like, okay, cool. And they're like, you got to sing the tracks. And I'm like, uh, uh-uh. uh. Right. I don't, uh, do, I don't do that. Mm. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, and so like yeah. the CBGB's guy. Yeah. Now I'm, they're like, everyone does it. It's the rules. You have to. And I'm yeah. like, nah, I'm gonna sing. Right. And they're like, no, nah, you're not. And I'm like, all right, I'm leaving. And they're like, this little motherfucker. <laughs> Did you end up doing uh, the show? Yeah, I sang. Badass. Yeah, I sang it. Bad. Yeah. Is it? Can you find that on social media? Is that yeah, out there, you think? Yeah, yeah, it's on YouTube. I didn't sing great, too, because I was so tired. No, and tired, like, sleep. But it was real. What I'm saying is you, yeah. you of all people, you know, as a singer, I sit back and, and you know, you would, oh, man, I need that saving grace. But yeah. you, you don't do it. Because it's after twenty years of doing it, you yeah, can't. You're you like, can't. listen, I didn't cut, I didn't cut my teeth this long to have this moment. And the, the funny thing is, is that as that aired live, after the performance, the song went number one in Ireland, dude. And you're talking about, and it's really hard too because listen, Dolores just died. She's an Irish rock singer. Yeah, you know what I mean. And like these people, you know, I, I grew up in. in um, in an Irish family, right? Like my my parents are Irish, and I'm like a quarter Irish, by from my birth parents, I was adopted. <clears throat> Bro, Irish people are very serious about their culture, right? right? And so to have those people accept, yeah, a, a, an American band, yes. with two African American guys in the band singing, and knowing that the connection of what the meaning of the songs right. are real, yeah, right, and knowing now, the history behind what the song was was you know incredible, and then it went number one. It was just so. It was just, it was madness. Dude, it, it's giving me chills because we started this conversation with you saying, hey, I was sleeping in a closet yeah. in a punk house. Uh, when I moved to LA, I was living in a car, the yeah. Gold's Gym, North Hollywood. Oh, yeah, I lived yeah. in the Gold's Gym right there for three and a half months. The If I wanted TV and air conditioning, I slept in the UA theater in the same parking lot. I booked my first job, acting job on the payphone, you know, waiting mm-hmm. for that to ring. And whatever it took. Exactly. And to be in this position, to be sitting down and sharing this story. That's what I wanted to do with the show is, is hero's journey podcast is, is about waking up the hero of your own story every day. Every time you wake up with a breath, you know, that you're breathing, Mm -hmm. you get another chance to outdo what you did yesterday. And that's what this is all about. So to hear that story, it's like, it's crazy because it's this perfect storm that happened yeah. but then what i love about you is i got the, i manage this guy's called dadcast podcast and nick reached out when i posted a picture of you and i running into each other at mr olympia which mm-hmm. you had mentioned you have a 
ton of fans. You've discovered you had a bunch of fans. Yeah, yeah, in the bodybuilding. You know, in the bodybuilding. But you're. But dude, I'm also you're, a fan of bodybuilding. Exactly. So you're it's a weird freaking beast. Like, yo, dude. I'm like, oh my God, yo, dude. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, can I, uh, don't let angle me. Like, you know, because I was a fat kid, right? I beat a, like morbid obesity runs in my family. My aunt Tina died of morbid obesity. My mom was obese and she lost like over 120 pounds. I lost over 120 pounds. Good for you. Yeah, yeah. So like bodybuilding and Arnold Schwarzenegger, you know, who was the fall, my fallen hero. Bro. Yeah, he, like he, he said some bonehead shit in 2020. Yeah, he like, did, but I'm like, yeah. I'm like, Arnold, yikes. Yeah. <laughs> but, but dude, yeah. you, you, you're the one guy who can post like 70% of your videos are shot with no shirt. And you're tatted up and in, in shape, it and it's awesome. Yeah. But it's inspiring. That's yeah, what's yeah, inspiring. Yeah. Dude, I'm born without a left chest muscle and part of my bicep, so I was born oh, with a, wow. a birth defect. And then, you know, alcoholism, it, it ran in, in, you know, like I said, ran in my family. So oh, I made sure. a choice to, to not, you know, not do that and not put that on my family, you mm -hmm. know, that my girl and... Mm -hmm people around me because i know i have like an addictive personality yeah, when yeah. i get when i do things i go all in well that's how the fitness thing got me right yeah it's like you just it feels good to be healthy right it feels good to change your life it feels good to like if you know it's like we talk about whatever it takes right to change you know your social standings to change your financial life yes to change your physical appearance to change the way people see you um you know to st like and that's the thing it's like a lot of there's a lot of like um there's a lot of like pro women talk all over the place and it's very like standing in your power is like well as men we have to stand in our power right. as men we have to accept the res there's only two kinds of men there's people who accept the their lives the way that it is and there's men who accept the responsibility for changing it i wanted to be the the second kind so, which means if I don't like a circumstance of something, whether it's my body, my mind, my health, my life, my finances, it's on me, right? And mm -hmm. then the more that I work on myself and I get my own shit, the more I'm able to give to others. And that's the principle. We can't transmit what we haven't got. Right. You know? Wow. So the more like, and then again, like the more the universe gave me opportunities, it was, it wasn't just like. When they called and they were like, oh, we got to put this song out. And I'm like, oh, we got to give Dolores' kids the money. It's not, that wasn't my, that's not, I'm an addict, right? My my initial thought is, oh, I got to take for myself because there's not enough. That's that 10 years before the right. old me, that's what the old me would do. And so it was, it was literally a decade of like feeding the homeless and, and being of service and having to be homeless. You know, I, I ended up homeless and, and <clears throat> I went to rehab and. I went to sober living and I, you know, threw myself into the mercy of, of, you know, strangers. Right. And I, I had to relearn how to be a man from other men who had hit rock bottom because I didn't have a father like that. And so, you know, it was, we, this, what people don't talk about is the, you it's always overnight success. Like there was so many miserable, scary, terrifying moments of depression. And I can't, you know, it's not like I'm like this person who I was like, I'm going to do this. Sometimes on a good day I would, right. but most of the time I wanted to quit, but I just refused to. And so I call it last man standing. Okay. Who's going to be the last man standing? Because we, we're always evolving. Right. Right. So we're constantly changing and growing if we're moving in the right direction. 
and they're all different iterations of who we are. And if you can stop at any time, and that's going to be the last man standing. But I wasn't, I wasn't ready to just, you know, even when I was a loser, and then I had my shit together. I'm like, wow, I'm like not a drug addict and a loser anymore. And I'm like doing this. I'm like, it's not, it's not good enough. Like I didn't get sober to just be Joe Schmo. Right. Like I want to do extraordinary things. I want to be around extraordinary people. I want to become extraordinary. I can't do this if I don't seek those that energy. And so as long as I'm willing to take responsibility to be for becoming that person, then the then the the universe will make a path. We don't see it and we it doesn't discount the pain and the fear and the lack of it's hard to have faith. It's easy to be like, yeah, God is great when everything's great. Go, yeah, when it's good. But it's hard to be like, God, like, why, you know, well, why my friend died, or like, why did my kid die, or you know, like, why yeah. does my friend have cancer, or why is my, you know, why was this, why, 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 right? Mm -hmm. It's hard when all the bad shit is happening. But when the bad shit is happening, you have to understand it's like, it's like a storm, right? The best days in Vegas are after it rains exactly it's so clear it's so yeah. beautiful yep and like it's the desert is a it's almost like a painting of like god's grace of how beautiful it is but it has to be shitty and gray for a minute yeah you know and you, and it's like you know in california when it never rains people they start taking heaven for granted it, right you know right and you know dude i gotta tell you that you're so well spoken and it's just you're so Bro, it's inspiring. I'm sitting here blown away by the man that you've become. And when I knew you, I didn't know much about you, but I just knew you were a good guy. You were always good to me. And and to to watch the success and to know that success, you are giving back and you're helping. If you can help one person, you say, and I see that on your social media, mm -hmm. you're not afraid to speak sure. about anything. No, and no, I no. love it because it's even I, I saw you post about the football player going down and and what they put themselves through or, you know, the choices that they make mm -hmm. to be in that position kind of thing. Oh, yeah, and, yeah. and you were sending prayers and, and but also you were saying, hey, you know, we're, we're here for you. We well, yeah, I mean, I think like it's it's unfortunately with with, um, you know, when it comes to the jab or like the, you know, big pharma stuff. A lot of people got forced and some people like took that, took that medication or whatever experiment, whatever, right. whatever you want to call it. Yeah, exactly. Because they were being a good person mm -hmm. and they believe that they trusted a corporation and, a, and government officials that were saying, if you do this, you will be helping other people. So they were like, okay, I trust you. And then now what's happening is you're seeing, you know, and whether or not that recent football accident was a, was a fluke or, right. or if it was, or if it was somehow related, you can't deny the fact that, you know, thousands of public people are, right. are, are having heart, heart attacks and, and heart problems in the middle of soccer games, um, live television, you know, um, news anchors. I mean, right. there's dozens of news anchors who have collapsed on, you know, globally. Right. Who collapsed live, and, and this has never happened before. And so my whole thing is like, you know, my mom, my mom got vaccinated, my sister did. I'm like, look, this is my thing. I didn't want to do it because I didn't. I have an unhealthy trust of the government, I, like or a healthy distrust of the government. Right. Right. Sorry, the other way around, dyslexic. 
And so, but I let, I, I think everyone should decide for themselves, right? Like when they, when they say my body, my choice, I, that means it for everything. Like I'm not one of these hypocritical people. I'm like, listen, that means across the board, that's right. you, you, your bodily autonomy is your, that's your right. Right. And so if you did engage in that experiment, I'm just saying, hey, as someone who loves people who have taken that medicine, go see a cardiologist. Yeah. Just get checked. Yeah, there's you're, pro there, you're probably fine. There's Chances weird things are, going on with my dad that that uh, it tripped me out, and it wasn't until after yeah. it's like all these health issues that we're we're struggling with, and it's it's been scaring the crap out of me. Um, I've, I've lost more people who had that and who had gotten the two shots and boosters. I've lost more people than I have. No one I know passed away from the actual COVID, but I know half a dozen people wow. directly that have have had heart attacks and died. Sorry. I'm so sorry. It's not this. Yeah. It, no. What are you going to do? You right. can be mad about it or you could say, hey, you know, I might get shadow banned for this or I'm going to, you know, and it's like people don't understand that a lot of the tech companies, they're all, their investors are the same trillionaire companies that make these medications. Right. So the problem is that there's this massive financial structure that is telling the media what it can and cannot say and telling the government to tell the media what it can and cannot say about their products. And that's the problem. Our government is supposed to protect us from, in a free market and in a free nation, the government is supposed to regulate the drug companies. The drug companies have so much money dumped into the swamp of our government that they no longer regulate the corporations. And so we're we have to be able to communicate and think for ourselves on what's best for us and i don't think there's and like it doesn't i think in 2020 like everything was so divisive you know ne i never saw so many people get you know successfully turned against each other of like you know it was like democrats versus republicans right and then what's, it was that was like, crazy everybody's racist or like everybody's a misogynist or and you know i got canceled because and, and i'm i'm the i'm the let's see in, in the in rock I'm not most selling, most number one single African-American artist, period. P period. Really? Yeah, no one's, uh, who? You, <laughs> that's amazing. Right, in, the last, in the last 20 years. Yeah. Right? So I'm like, okay, I have an opinion about BLM because of where the money's going. Because right. number one, I don't, I don't support violence. I don't support destruction of property. I don't support burning things down and looting. As right. a solution to a, a systematic problem, you know, and I support law enforcement because I have family in law enforcement. Right. I know the difference. Right. Right. And there's, and I know the media makes a lot of money off exploiting scenarios that are the minority of situations where, you know, obviously that guy's was a bad cop and he went to jail and he, got, you know what I mean? Right. <clears throat> and, um, but the way that everybody went about it was insane, and I called it out, and then I started to investigate where the money was going. The money did not go to the African-American communities. It went to Act Blue, which is a Democratic um, super PAC party, and they, they basically took all the donations to BLM and donated it to Joe Biden's campaign. Whoa. And so I exposed that, and then everyone fucking got on my ass, and I was like, bro, like... Wow. I'm like all, and it was all the white people in the music industry were like, I can't fucking believe you. You're like, you're a disgrace to your race. I'm like, bro, that's racist. 
Yeah, that's, I'm like you're an idiot. Yeah, yeah, you know? exactly. It, that's what I. That's what I loved about what you were doing. Um, you were. I followed it all, man, and yeah, I was like, they were, they I, you were. You were so brave. Much. It was yeah. so brave because this is. We just talked about it. It's our careers, man. Yeah, yeah. It's our careers, but you keep re. You're like a fucking phoenix. You keep just well, coming up, and like, you have loyal fans. It's not just about well. Yes. Well, look, the people who support me, they make it possible for me to continue to make music and continue to do this. And we, but the thing is that, you know, when, when cancel culture came for me because they didn't like what I was saying, or they didn't like the political things I was saying, or the people I associated with, or whatever the fuck, um, all, it was very hard. I mean, bro, they went as far as to like get hire my ex-girlfriend to falsely accuse me of domestic violence. And I went and I beat those charges. I beat him in criminal court. And then I was exonerated by a judge in civil court, literally on the record that I was never, that wow. there's no evidence of, of any domestic violence. And the metal media didn't run the truth. They ran their side of the story yeah, that's it. to do a defamation piece on me yep. to make me look like a woman beater. Right. And because they didn't like that I supported Trump. And the re and like if they did if this is the thing if the Democrats didn't want me to support the Republican president, why is it impossible for you to produce a candidate that speaks English? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like the guy it's like right. I'm not trying to make fun but like, you know, not only both both those guys are older like right. we should, you know, they're like, "Oh, we should have age caps." Right. On who can run the country. Because right. think about this. You wouldn't let a 90-year-old or, you know, an 85-year-old person run a, f a company. I, I wouldn't let him drive my car. <laughs> that's, but, that's, but people were so shocked. It was so shocking to them because they believed the media. Right. Because the media, owned, owned by the pharmaceutical companies, who, you know, also right. want to control who the president is so that they never get in trouble for fucking in case they fuck up the medication they're giving people because they're rushing it out. And right. So if there's a side effect, they're like, oh, we're we got this dumbass guy. Like yeah. he's going to say whatever we tell him because we own him financially. Right. So they didn't want that's it, it, There's multiple layers of this. Right. Could go way deeper. But no, I know the, and the, 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 the dumb, dumb version is this shit's yeah. fucked up. And I was like, I'm not yeah. fucking with this guy. I don't like all this shit that's going on. And, and I'm saying it. Right. And then, you know, it was just the hammer came down. And, uh, you know, I mean, it's like, it, it's wild that we're sitting here talking about this because I was actually, I was nervous. I wanted to ask you your opinion on these things. Cause I, mm -hmm. you know, cause I know that I know them. I've, yeah, I've seen sure. it. Could you grab another water for him, please? Oh, Thank you. And, um, so anyway, uh, here we are and you're openly talking about it, which I love, but only because again, you, you were canceled by this yeah. kind of stuff. But I want to get back to, I want to get back to you as a songwriter. Um, something you touched on, you know, the song about you and your brother. Yeah, yeah. And and the thank you, Doc. Appreciate um, it. Thank you, bud. Um, the name of that song again, because I've listened uh, to it. Remember when? Yeah, remember yeah, when? Yeah. I've watched that video multiple times uh, way back when it when it came out. Yeah, it was heavy. Um, it was heavy, and it's. Uh, as a songwriter, as a musician, as an artist, I mean, like you said, going back to, we talk about walking out on stage and being real with people. Oh, yeah. And it's, as songwriters, we're writing, this is like our diary, vocal diary. We're standing out there sharing yeah, yeah. 
our stories with people, and we're basically standing there naked. We're basically sharing our souls. And, and with that song, Chase, my producer Chase, I guarantee you don't know this about, but you had mentioned, you touched on it earlier, mm -hmm. what happened. Can you tell us about this? Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, I had, I had moved back to New York in 2010 after I was one year sober, right? I got sober in 2009. And, um, yeah, I have a twin brother. And, like, you know, me and my brother, like, we grew up fake as thieves and, like, we got in a lot of trouble. And you were adopted? Yeah, so you yeah. Said? Yeah, so we are, we're blood twins and then we were adopted into a, into a family. And, you know, it's like my brother had a lot of problems growing up. Like, he was institutionalized when, we were, when he starting, like, around 11. He had, he had like some, some severe mental health issues. And then, you know, we discovered drugs and alcohol pretty young and like that did not help. And, you know, he struggled with it for, he struggled the rest of his life. Um, whereas I, you know, eventually left home, you know, you know, we had gotten into a fight when I moved to California and I stopped talking to him. And then, uh, you know, when I had moved back, I had seen him once, you know, and then he, you know, I, I, everyone kind of knows my brother's like, you know, doing gang shit and getting in trouble and like, you know, he, he's just a drug addict. And so he wound up uh, breaking into the apartment and I came home from a date and he was, had already broken in. And so, um, you know, we had had an exchange and I, he wanted me to help him murder somebody. Whoa. Yeah, yeah he had just gotten, uh, he tried to rob a store. He actually tried to rob our friend's cousin's pet store and the guy had to hit him with a hammer and he ran away. And then he wanted me to go help murder this guy. And he was obviously on drugs. And I, I was like, bro, like, you, you need to get sober. I tried to do that whole preach. Right. He wasn't having it. And right. then he went in my neighbor's garage, got a crowbar. And um, I thought he had left. And so I was, like, leaving the house to go walk to my sister's to make sure he didn't go there next. Mm -hmm. And uh, he hit me from behind with a crowbar, fractured my skull. We fought. Like, we actually fist fought. He broke my arm. I, I had to fight him with one arm. It was It was rough. Whoa, and, dude! I'm so sorry. No, it's okay. And uh, it was a long time ago. I know, but it's that's your brother. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. And yeah, that's yeah. well, yeah. So anyway, the long story short is, uh, you know, he I ran away from him. I ran to the neighbor's house. I collapsed. They called 911, uh, and then I I flatlined in the hospital. Uh, this is the short, short version. Right. And uh, I had a near death experience. It was real weird. Um, I woke up in the ER. And uh, yeah, it was just crazy. I was still alive, and uh, yeah. my nurse was actually my high school girlfriend's best friend, who I hadn't seen in like 15 years. Randomly, I was like, "That's a weird I, way to wake up." And I thought I was, I was like, "Am I dead?" Yeah, what's going on? And uh, yeah, and so you know, it, it's um. And you wrote a song about that that moment because yeah, that's, that's in the video. There's was, actually three songs about that scenario because it wasn't over then. So remember when is actually the past it's really talking about my how we grew up and how close we were and that um you know like i'm somebody who i i have to live with a broken heart i love my brother more than um he was he was we're twins but he was bigger than me and i was uh, like i i loved him i wanted to be like him and i couldn't believe he would do this to me <laughs> and uh that's what that song is, to, is me coming to terms of being not mad anymore and being able to say the honest truth about why it hurt so much. And then Learn to Walk Again was literally about, I couldn't walk. So I was so fucked up. Like I had so many injuries 
I was in the ER and like after like a week of being there, they're like, all right, you got to get out of bed. And I had I had like guys from from AA coming in and bringing me meetings at, like once a day to make sure I didn't relapse, you know. And I had oh. yeah, and then oh. Stephen. Yeah, hold on a second. Yeah, my man. I'm sorry, man. Nah, it's good, bro. I'm sorry. Empaths. So too much. To, we're empathetic, right? You're feeling it. Oh, no, 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. I know so the vibe. But all these beautiful things happen as a result, you know. Like um, me and Tyler. Who's Steven Tyler's daughter? We're we're friends, and mm-hmm. she found out what happened, and she called her dad, and Steven was like, "Bring him to the house." So they drove to New York to the city, picked me up from the hospital while I was discharged, brought me to Steven Tyler's house in, in Massachusetts, wow. <laughs> and took care of me for like for like six weeks, Aww. and they administered my medicine so I didn't fuck yeah. around, yeah, because I was super scared, right? I heard right. all these boogeyman stories of yeah, guys like- getting surgery. And, and then relapsing. relapsing. And yeah. I'm like, never I coming ju- out of it. I just stopped being a piece of shit. Yeah. <laughs> like, and, and, and yeah, that's the fear. Yeah. And, you know, and, or people who get caught up in lost in that. I, I just had a friend suffer from that, that he was into bodybuilding. You, you would know him from our back in our day. Mm. Uh, he was in a band called Orin and he would play the circuit. Uh, singer, he was a handsome guy, in shape, love working out, got into MMA, fighting. Mm. Um, and moved back to uh, to uh, Ohio with his band and whatnot. Just he didn't fight, but he just trained like that. Sure, hurts his back and got got hooked on uh, oxycotton, and nobody knew. Mm-hmm. Nobody had a clue. And the same company that manufactures that shit is manufacturing the fucking protection. Exactly from the co- from the fucking flu. He called me up yeah. one day, and he's like four days in a row. He calls me. And he's talking to me. He's like, Brian, I, I love you. I trust you. You know, and I'm, and, I'm, and, and I'm like, I'm not talking to the same person. I don't. Yeah, yeah. So I knew. And Nicole, my girl, was so like, stay on the phone with him. I'm like, I, oh, I'm not going anywhere. I was working mm-hmm. out the last day. And he calls me on a Thursday. And I'm at the gym. And, 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 and so I stop. I'm like, hold on. And, and I'm talking to him. And I would not get off the phone with him. And I made him promise not to do this, not hurt himself, not hurt anyone else. And then I said, I need to talk to you tomorrow. And you're not going to go anywhere or do anything. I was the last one to talk to him. He, he oh. decided to take his take gun and end it all. But he wasn't all there. Yeah. He was, it, he was lost changes, on all this. And, it, it's, and, it changes you and it sucks your soul out. And it's a, it's a slippery slope. Yeah. You know? And so, you know, I'm very grateful that I escaped that. You know, and that wasn't like, that wasn't the end of it, right? Like, my mm-hmm. brother then put a hit out on me because I, I cooperated with the police. So he hired, a, he had a, high, a contract. It's, it's, we call it contracts. Right. You know, TV calls it a hit, man. They put a contract out on me. So I had to go into witness protection. That's what the song Foe or Friend is about. Because I'm on the lam hiding, right. right? And I was between California and Florida. I have no money. The government's giving me $300 a month to pay my phone bill. And I'm like... You know, living off fucking sand, sand, friends' pizza slices and sandwiches, bro, just crashing. Yeah, it was it was pretty intense. What a life! And so then that guy got killed, right? So the the DA played me the tapes, the conversation because he co- put the call in while he was before he posted bail. So he was in Rikers so, Island, so and the phone call recorded. was recorded. And they were like, "Yo, you, you know, it takes. We don't normally go through all these calls, but this is serious. Like, you need to come in." And I recognized the guy. But I couldn't tell the police who the guy was because they would kill my mom if I ratted on him. 
So I had to just wait it out, and then that guy got murdered and some, from some other shit. And then I, <laughs> yeah, and then my brother, like, once that guy was gone, he was like, fuck, my brother's going to, you know, testify against me. And the, the reason why I did is because he was beating up my mom for years. Like, the whole oh. time I lived in California, he would, like, periodically get high and show up and, like, push my mom or hit my mom. And she's, my mom's 74 now, so she was probably, like, 60. And she never pressed charges you know, like how moms do. Right. So I was like, fuck this guy. Yeah, I'm sorry. You know? I, I see the love yeah, yeah, yeah. that you but, had, but, but, but you know, you know how, like they're you protecting. Said, the drugs yeah. change you. Exactly. So it, my, was, it wasn't the yeah. same person. Yeah, he changed into another person. And yeah. so eventually they caught him, you know, and then I had to testify against him. And this is where, like, you know, this shit gets, it, it was a, it's a wild ride because one thing that I did wrong in this, and this is what I'll say to any other men or women who are going through a traumatic situation I I went on like survival mode because somebody was trying to kill me. Someone had already just almost killed me. And like you can't really feel anything. You get so much shit happens, you go numb and you go on autopilot. And that was a mistake because, you know, once I testified against my brother, I expected the next day that my life would start again and that I could finally put this behind me. And circumstantially, I lost my job. Right. I, I can't I I my wow. boss was I was I was managing a bar. Somebody so my boss was messing around with it on his wife with some one of the bartenders. I saw it. I got fired. Uh. My my girlfriend at the time was secretly an alcoholic, didn't know she was drinking. So within like three days, I lost my place. My girl, girl. confessed that she was drinking and that she didn't want me in the house anymore in our apartment and I got kicked out of our apartment and I had to move in on my sister's couch at, at 29 years old. Wow. And, or I was, I think I was 30. Yeah. Cause I was, yeah, I was 30. <clears throat> and, um, I just law I hadn't dealt with any of the feelings. And so I had no money and no life and no nothing. And I was like a failed musician and I'd failed at everything. And I, I just believe that maybe God just wanted me to protect my mom finally from my brother because he's been terrorizing my family for, you know, almost 20 years. And now I can go be at peace because right. when I died, I had this near-death experience of being in heaven. and Really? Yeah, yeah. And I was like, I just thought that maybe I would just go back. And so, you know, I, I have... When you say just go back, meaning like... Yeah, yeah. So I, I had a suit and I put... I put um, I, I have one suit that I owned for funerals and I put it on my mom's spare bed and then I went and I took the I took uh the bus to the train station to jump in front of the train bro and uh well this is the crazy thing it's like one of the gnarliest stories all this shit's so crazy but this is the craziest shit so I'm waiting at the train station in Brooklyn at the junction and it's an <laughs> above ground platform <clears throat> and I like have a like I my biggest fear would be like that you know, the train wouldn't kill me and I'd just be paralyzed. Right. So I was like, if I, if the train doesn't kill me, I'll fall through the tracks and onto the street and then a car will hit me and I'll definitely die. So I was like, because I'm, I'm a drug addict. I'm like, it's got to be the most, you know, I got to make, right. I'm not fucking around. And so I backed up across the station tracks to, and I saw the train coming. So I was just going to run as soon as it came and I, I could see it at the next stop yeah. and it started pulling in and I was like, okay, cool. And so, and then my phone started ringing and I didn't recognize the number. Now I have no idea why I answered the phone. 
because now I don't really, Yeah, you don't, I don't care. I don't, yeah, Why I'm would like, you care? Yeah. Right? And I just like answered the phone and I was like, hello? And this kid was, he, I could hear that some kid crying on the phone. He's like, hello? He's like, is this Tommy? I'm like, yeah. I'm like, but I'm in the middle of something right now, bro. What's up? <laughs> like I was annoyed. <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, I need help. I'm like, fuck. I'm like, all right. I was like, all right, where are you? And he's like, over here. I was like, I overdosed last night, and I just got out of the hospital, and my friends leave me, and my, I got no place to go. And I was like, I'm like, meet me in Union Square at the coffee station. I'll be there in an hour. He saved your life. Yep. And he's still one of my best friends. He's like my really? Brother. Yeah. So he, he saved your life. Yeah. And I got on the train. There's a, so I wrote my, uh, my solo album that came out last year. There's a song called um, Strong for Someone Else. What's the name of the album? So everybody uh, out there. Can uh, the hear. album's called Grand Theft Audio because still my former band and the label tried to steal all my songs. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I got them back. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, okay. Justice system still works, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, so, um, yeah. So, so I wound up, you know, finally, that was the last part of that whole story, right? Is like, it was like, Remember when was before, learn to walk again was surviving it. Then forward friend was getting through witness protection. And then strong for someone else was the end part of deciding to, to just do another day. Yeah, he to and, do it yeah. exactly. And it wasn't an instant thing. It wasn't like I was like struck and like, oh, life is good. I was still depressed. It doesn't go away. No, it's not going to. And and you said that earlier on. It's mm. not going to. It, yeah. but it's it's how you get through basically the shit mm -hmm. and how it's how you look at it. How you're gonna get up in the morning and and figure this out when it's. Yeah. It's it's easy when everything's going good. Well, and also too, like yo, it's like your it's like your boy who called you, like, dude, like you intuitively know you got to stay on the phone. I right? did. Yeah. Men need other men. Right. We don't talk about that enough. Like, you right. need your boys. Like, yeah. you need to have your guys who are going to tell you the truth about yourself, like, and the, who want to see you win. Right. Not like people who just come around when everything's all good. Because listen, when I got canceled, bro, like I'll t I'll tell you, bro, they're like, I'm not going to name names. But yeah. there are dudes who like, oh Tommy, can you talk to my kid? He's doing he's doing drugs. I think you smoke weed. We talk. Sure. Oh hey man, will you do a fucking birthday shower for my wife? Like oh hey man, will you do this? Hey man, I never said no to anybody. Right. I'd show up to things. There would be guys who in massive bands who are like, hey man, um, can you meet me right now? I'm like, it's seven in the morning. Where are you? He's like, I'm at a bar on drugs. Can you just come here? Oh, and I'm wow. like, I'll show up. Yeah. I'm like, hey, you good? Yeah. Are you ready to go to rehab? I called the rehab. I'm like, I'm not ready. I'm like, you have drugs on you? He's like, yes. I'm like, give me the drugs. He's like, I can't do that right now. I'm like, okay, bro, I can't force you, but we'll sit. I'll sit here and talk to you. You know, right. and this is like, because I never say no right. to a fucking sobriety request because I know someone can it, die. It saved your life, yeah. though, too. Yeah, but that's that why, moment saved your one of those moments saved your life, which is really. But we can't cool. deny we can't deny those requests because you never know. Right. Right. And like a lot of those people. Their lives are great now, but right. they don't want to talk. They they can't talk to me anymore because in the music industry, what happens is, is that, and people don't understand it's a web, right? right? And the labels have a lot of manipulative control. You know, like they affect the, the festivals. They affect this. They affect yeah. all of the media, metal injection, blabbermouth, loudwire, metal sucks. Even the new ones, heavy rock feed. 
they're financially supported by the labels to spin the stories that they're told to do. Right. The labels have now figured out that they can't compete with social media, but they can control. So if they if they want to just re take advertisement dollars away from your site, they'll just fucking be like, oh, we're just not going to advertise with you. Right. And then this, they're like, oh my god. Oh we're no, gonna, yeah. What do you want us to do? Lose, what do you? We'll do anything. Exactly. We'll fucking, mm -hmm. I'm like, he wants to destroy somebody? Like, whatever. Okay. You're right. Like, just keep paying us. Chase, I can't believe this, man. We have to cut this episode in half. We've sat down with Tommy Vex, former lead singer of the band Bad Wolves, and we had to cut this episode in half. We go for two hours. So tune in next week to A Hero's Journey podcast. Like, subscribe, share with your friends. Uh, the Rock Rage Radio listeners out there, thank you so much. We'll be back next week. And to our sponsors, I want to thank JPS Computers. Jesse and Alex are doing a great job with our social media. We have a brand new website launching uh chase you don't know that we have a brand new website launcher brother and then to smp inc thank you guys so much i can walk around with a hat off and feel confident thank you you gave me my confidence back and to our brand new sponsor at red rock harley davidson here in las vegas if you find yourself needing a bike wanting a harley you can contact me i'll help you and that's no joke. I still have my license from working at Co working there during COVID. So you can reach me right here at A Hero's Journey podcast. Uh, send me a message. You want a bike? I'll help you. So again, thank you guys, everybody. Tune in next week to A Hero's Journey podcast. Chase and I will be here to make sure with Tommy Vex on part two. Thank you, guys. It's coming around, it's coming around to me